We give all the glory to God. It's because of Him and what He's done for us that causes us to give, that causes us to serve. I hope you have that high, higher purpose in your life today. And this is a great time of year to give, isn't it? It's a wonderful time for... The, the Scripture says it's better to give than to receive, and I think you all experience that this Christmas season. It's a wonderful time of year, and the main reason why is because of all the giving. We love to give, especially to kids. Nothing gets the season going in full swing like giving a, a kid a Christmas present surprise. Kind of like this kid up here. Wow, doesn't he look surprised? Yes, that's me. And I begged for my very own aquarium when I was a kid. I remember taking my mom to the pet store in the mall and I would take her in there and let her see my puppy eyes as I would look at that aquarium. She had a poker face. She gave me no clue, because she knew exactly what she was up to, but she gave me no clue that I was going to get this for Christmas. And when I opened that present, there it was. Look at how happy I am. I'm, I'm as happy as a baby changed after a diaper, a diaper change. <laughs> and I know that look. I know that look now. Let's see the hands of those who received a big surprise for Christmas. How many, how many of you got us some surprises? Okay, a few, a few out there. Okay. I figured it's a great time of year. Giving is so much fun. But like Emerald, we need to take it up a notch. And more importantly, we need to keep this spirit going. We cannot pack up this spirit of giving with the Christmas lights and decorations and store it in some place until next year. I believe we need to keep that spirit alive. We need to keep stoking the fire of giving. It's what gives people warmth when the cold of society is upon them. It's the spirit of giving, and more specifically, the spirit of Christian giving, the spirit of Christ in you that causes people to say, hey, I want to get nearer to you like a fire. I want to get close to you. I want to be nearer to you. When they see the fire inside of you, they'll see Jesus. They'll see the one who suffered and died for you and is now alive in you. It's that spirit of giving that we need to keep going. I hope you can say with me this year, I'm not going to be a seasonal giver, but I'm going to be a 365-day-a-year giver like my Lord and Savior. Freely I have received, and freely and joyfully I am going to give. Watch out, Mr. Scrooge. Here I come, Oscar the Grouch. I am ready to give. Don't stand in my way because God has been good to me, and I'm going to be good to him, and you can be good to others. You know what? We cannot forget that Jesus started the giving. He started the giving by sending his one and only son to this earth. Jesus came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. We are here today because God gave. And may you rejoice in his giving. And may you remember that he began this wonderful cycle of giving in your life. And while Jesus was here, do you know what? There were some times where people caught his attention. I want to be a person that catches the attention of Christ. And there were people on this earth while Jesus was walking this earth that caught his attention. One of those people were found in Luke 21. And I'm going to read the first four verses of Luke chapter 21. You can pull your notes out. They're in your notes or in the screen behind me. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. 
He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All of these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. The scene actually begins in Luke chapter 19, and it began with great excitement and joy as Jesus entered Jerusalem. Let's watch this clip. We set out for Jerusalem. Thousands were heading there for the festival of Passover. declares that everything that has breath praise the Lord. And in that moment, everything and everyone was praising the Lord. You and I get a glimpse of heaven when we are worshiping the Lord together here in this auditorium. And the people that day in Jerusalem, they caught a glimpse of heaven as they were worshiping Jesus, as they were honoring him with their praises. It is so amazing for me to begin to think that one day you and I will be at our eternal home. We will be with Jesus. And when we see the one who took the, our place on the cross, and when we see the beauty and the glory of heaven, we are going to declare the praises of the, our Lord and our Savior. We're going to shout and we're going to praise his name. We're going to declare that Jesus Christ is worthy and glorious and mighty and all-powerful, and we will praise him for all eternity. And the people of Jerusalem that day, they began to experience that spirit. They began to shout his praises. But the shouts of praise that day in Jerusalem quickly turned into the voices of the haters. And they shouted loud enough for all to hear. Jesus, following this scene, was beginning, was questioned. He was questioned about his authority. He was questioned about his political views. He was questioned about his doctrinal views. And every question was a trap set to destroy his integrity and his perfect good intentions. They wanted to silence Jesus by any means. And it was following this onslaught of hate and badgering that we find Jesus in Luke chapter 21 with his head bowed low. Jesus felt every pain and sorrow that, that we feel. He experienced it all. And he acted just the way we would react when people, if people were badgering us or questioning you. Nobody likes to be questioned. Nobody likes judgmental question brought into their life. And so Jesus responded just like you. He had his head bowed low. And I know we've been in that place and maybe you can recall 
Maybe you can recall the time when you brought your Walmart receipt to your spouse and your spouse gave careful investigation and they saw there that you bought eggs and questioned, why did you buy eggs when there's still eight eggs in the refrigerator? Or maybe it was the quadruple ply toilet paper that's the most expensive toilet paper. Why did you have to buy that? You know you don't need that many plies with, for your toilet paper. Or I hope some of you, and not all of you, have that experience of when the police officer pulls you over and he asks that famous question, do you know how fast you were going? It could be a boss that begins to question your work productivity or your efficiency. We've all been in that place of being questioned, and that judgmental questioning never makes us feel good. Now think about that moment when you were being questioned and then add 100 degrees to that and you will find your, yourself where Jesus was that day as he was being questioned. So it was no wonder why Jesus, we find Jesus with his head bowed low. But something lifts his head up. Something grabs the attention of Jesus and it is this activity of giving. Do you want to get the attention of heaven? Start giving, but not just normal giving, sacrificial giving. This is the kind of giving that brings peace on this earth. We know that one day Jesus was in a crowd of people and many people were touching Jesus. But it was one touch that caused Jesus to recognize that someone had touched him. And it was the same in that moment. It was almost an identical scenario because that day Jesus was watching all the giving. And he said that the wealthy were there and they were giving large amounts of money. Money that would provide great uh, provision for great structures to be built. Money that would provide the priests the opportunity to fulfill the duties that God required. But it was two small copper coins that really woke Jesus up in that moment. It was those two small copper coins when they hit that, that container, it caused a tsunami wave in the spiritual realm that you and I can still feel today. I can tell you that it is not by might, it is not by power, it's not by the riches of this world, nor by the power of men that changes anything on this earth for the good. No, it is the Spirit of Christ living in us that can cause transformation to come to our earth. Jesus declared that this woman had put more than all the rest. What? Anybody with common sense will say that cannot be true. But somebody with the mind of Christ will understand that paper or coined money has never solved sin and brokenness. Money will not help you when death is upon you. Money is not the cure for sickness and disease, and money will never bring peace to this earth. But a giving spirit can change everything. A giving spirit can cause transformation to take place in our lives. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Giving will take death and turn it into life. That's power, that's wealth, that's riches. That is something that I want and I hope that you want as well. 
And this woman was acting in the same love and actions that Jesus was acting in. And she brought Jesus his second wind. He was tired. His head was bowed low because of those cruel moments. But then she gave him strength and she gave him energy. She gave him that second wind to get up and continue to teach and preach about the things that were to come. Do you know what? We're living in a day and age when people, they're tired, they're frustrated, their heads are bowed low. This latest onslaught of, of rebellion against law enforcement is not good for our society. It's not good what is happening. But do you know what? We can take our energy and we can place it in prayer for our law enforcement. Do you know that there are hurting kids out there? There are at-risk teenagers that need your help. And instead of being in rebellion against law enforcement, we can serve a much better purpose by helping our teenagers, getting involved in our after-school programs, getting involved in our Royal Rangers and our Impact Girls Club. Let's get involved with our kids because if we do not help our kids of today, we will continue to have problems tomorrow. You know, these individuals that have started these issues, the ones that have brought upon violence to the law enforcement, these were hurting kids at one time in their life. And we ignored them. We found that our agenda was more important. And we didn't get involved in programs that helped them. So it's no wonder they're acting out in violence and anger and frustration. They're mad at society because society never cared about them. But through the love of Christ, through the power of the Spirit, through the, the, through the truth of God's Word, you and I, we can make a difference in a child's life. I want to be someone who can lift the heads of my fellow Americans. You and I can bring ch an atmosphere. Uh, we can change the atmosphere out there. The Bible pronounces where sin abounds, grace abounds greater. There have been some horrific events that have taken place, but you do not fight evil with evil. You overcome evil with good because good is always more powerful than evil. We cannot afford to sit around in fear and frustration. We cannot look at the news and just sit there in anger of what is taking place in our news. Let's get in the game with our love. Let's get in the game with our acts of kindness. Let's get in the game with our act of giving. It is this giving spirit that will turn the tide. So people of God, let's rise up. Let's take up the banner of giving and let's get out there and let's change the atmosphere of America. Let's change the atmosphere of your workplace. Let's change the atmosphere of your school, of our colleges, of our stores, of our society with a godly giving spirit. And the first principle of a godly giving spirit is give what you need. Give what you need. This woman had a need for money. And according to human standards, she was in the wrong place. She needed to be in line for a loan. She needed to be searching for a second job or another job. She did not need to be at the temple giving her money, but she was. And she went to the temple. And while she was there, she did not place her list of needs at the feet of the priest. No she gave what she needed. And our giving is usually based on what we have. 
And rightly so, this Christmas season, when you were getting ready to give your presents to your family and friends, you sat down, I pray that you sat down and wrote out a budget of how much money can you spend on Christmas presents. And I hope you did that. I remember Tara and I, when we first got married, we just spent money. We didn't have a budget. And as long as, I, when I'd get the bank statement, as long as there was no red ink, we just kept spending money. But do you know what that created? That created a kind of a selfish spirit within us, a foolish spirit. And so that led to using credit cards. And that quickly led to credit card debt. But I thank the Lord because we always sought God. We always prayed. We always read our Bible. And I thank God that he woke me up. And I said, you know what? This is not God's plan of blessing for my life. And so I set a budget. And we paid off all our credit cards. And I've, we have never had credit card debt since then. But just because you do what is right and wise does not mean you will never face difficulty. We faced it. Now the good news was because I set a budget, we were able to have our first home. But when we got into our first home, they told us that we had to finish all of the landscaping and put a fence up within one year. Well, that was a difficult situation that we faced because I did not have a budget line for a yard and for a fence. But I knew I wasn't going to use credit cards, so I began to save money. But I saved money, and month after month, I, I hit that $1,000 mark, and I could not save any more than that. And I remember Tara and I, we were sitting in a, in a service. It's, it was our general council service. There was 15,000 ministers plus in this service. And they were taking up a, a special offering for missionaries to get out there sooner than later. And as they began to take up the offering, God spoke to my heart, and he said, I want you to give everything that you had saved. My first thought was, that's a lot of money, Lord. I know it's not enough to do what I need to do, but that's a lot of money. And then my second thought was, well, it's no good in my hands. I might as well put it in God's hands. And I turned to Tara, and I said, Tara, this is what God spoke to my heart. And she confirmed, and I wrote the check out for all that we had saved for our yard and for our fence, and I put it in that offering. After another month had passed by, Tara and I received a huge financial blessing in our lives, and we were able to put in our whole yard with all of the shrubs and flowers, with our fence, with no credit card debt. That's what God can do. If you have a financial need, I want, you to be, I want to encourage you to be open to what God may speak to your heart. Be ready to give what you need. It does not make sense to the human ear to hear, you need money? Well, give it. That makes no sense to the human ear. And I've met with people who are in need of money. And one of the first things I tell them is, yes, I want to help you, but get ready to give. That makes no sense. You'll never go to a financial class and hear that if you need money, give it. But if you will go to the class that Jesus offers, you will hear that it's the giving that brings the provision into your life. But this point goes beyond money. I want you to really search your heart and let God put a light bulb in your heart and see what your, the other needs that you have in your life. Do you need companionship? Then think about giving companionship at the Golden Living Retirement Center to those individuals. Do you need uh, patience and kindness in your life? Think about what other people need when you go to the shopping store. I'm sure you lose your patience. People are losing their patience. Why don't you give patience? Why don't you give your spot up in line when you have like a hundred things in your basket and the person behind you has two? Why don't you give what you need? 
Maybe you need somebody to follow your agenda. You need your agenda to be followed because it's the most important thing. How about setting your agenda aside for someone else's agenda? How about serving somebody else's purpose? How about giving your energy to what somebody else needs? Not just what you need, not just what's important to you, but think about what's important to others. This is the power of Christ in us. We have the ability to give what we need. Two weeks ago, Tara was going to need to take the baby out in our vehicle for the first time because I was going to drop our other car off to get a couple of things fixed. And as she was leaving the neighborhood to go pick me up, she was edging out and noticed that some cars were speeding up. So she stopped and decided not to go. But the guy behind her was in a rush and rear-ended her. It was Tara's first car accident. And it was devastating to her because of our little baby that was in the car with her. That was only a fender bender. Our baby slept right through it. She was just fine. She knew that God was on her side, so she just kept sleeping. But Tara was, she was a basket case when I got there. But this message was on my mind. And I knew Tara needed to be comforted. But one of my first thoughts that came to my mind was, I'm going to put this guy in the headlock. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, my first thought was, to God be the glory, is this guy needs comfort too. That's not the way we think. We don't think about those things. When somebody does you wrong, you are not thinking, how can I help them? You know, when somebody, you know, takes your parking spot, you're not thinking, well, maybe they're in a rush to get some cold medicine to their sick child. You're thinking, what were they thinking? That was my parking spot. I worked hard for it. I eyed it. I can't believe they took it. I want to challenge you to begin to think about what people need. Think about what you need and think about giving what you need. Be ready for it. God's going to give you that opportunity this week. He's going to give you that opportunity guaranteed if you go to any store today. You are going to find yourself giving what you need. And I pray that you'll be able to do that. And so this is what God, I pray what God will work inside of you. May he work that in me. May he work this idea that we must give what we need, especially in difficult moments. Now, I had shared this, this message or that thought with our men at our last breakfast, and I just want to encourage you again, men, especially those with sons. Give our boys. Now, remember, men who don't have sons, and I still don't have one, that we have a responsibility to every boy in this church. Men, we must give them attention. You may feel like I can eat breakfast at home, I can read my Bible at home, but did you ever think that you're blessing a young boy by just being there? Think about that. Think about what you needed as a boy. I know what I needed as a boy. I needed attention. I'll never forget my first time going into our youth group. I didn't know anybody because I think I've mentioned this to you before. My church was 40 minutes away that I grew up at. So I, went to, I started going to a church that was in my town. So I didn't know anybody there. And I walked into the youth group. And that was probably in 1988. I walked in there. And, and so that's, what, 26 years ago? And I, to this day, still remember the first young man who talked to me. And that was a young man. Men, think about what the impact you can have on a boy by being at a breakfast and talking with them. And I have many mentors that are in this room, and you are faithful to it, and I appreciate your faithfulness. 
So all of us men, be there. Be at the men's breakfast. It's the first Saturday of every month. And it's not just the men that need it, it's the, or boys that need it. It's the other men that need you there. So make sure your boys are there. Make sure your men are there. But we must give what we need it. And to this day, let me go back to that story about my first night in our youth group. I've never forgotten that moment. And I thank the Lord that I have never forgotten that day that I needed someone to care for me. And that's the second principle of godly giving. The second principle of godly giving is give what you need it. And I pray that you'll never forget that. I pray that you'll never forget what you needed. And I thank God that after 26 years, I still do not, I still think about when I walk into Life Church, and I know I'm a pastor, but I still think about the people who look like they're here for the first time. And I remember myself thinking, you know what? It meant so much for someone to come up and talk to me. This, this kid did not just say hi and bye. He sat there and he talked with me. I cannot tell you what we talked about, but he talked with me. Look for someone today that looks new and talk to them. Give what you need it. And let me explain this point further from 2 Kings chapter 7. Now in 2 Kings chapter 7, there was a famine in the city of Samaria because of a war. And there were four lepers who were not allowed into the city. So they were outside the city suffering greatly. And they reached the point of desperation. And they were tired of sitting outside the city while everybody else was still starving. And so they decided, let's look at our options. Option one, go into the city. Well, we can't go in there. They'll kill us for sure. Well, the only other option we have is to go into the enemy's camp. We don't know what they'll do there, so let's take that option. And let's pick it up in verse 5. It's in your notes. It says, At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold, and clothes, and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and, some things, uh, and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Do you see what's happening here? There's four lepers who have a need. God miraculously provides for them. Can I tell you, can you to, and encourage you again, put your trust in God. Put your hope in Him. Put your faith and put your life into His word and into His promises, and He will take care of you. And God took care of those four lepers that day. And they walked into the enemy's camp and had all that they needed. They went from rags to riches. But then their human nature kicked in. Their human nature kicked in and they turned and their focus turned inward. And they forgot about everybody else. Well, who cares? Everybody had forgotten about them, right? Why should they care about anybody else? They weren't even allowed in the city. Why should they care about them? That's the attitude that will stop the giving in your life. 
I pray and I ask and I encourage you today to be, to be determined today to never be stingy. Never think about that how others have treated you. If God is blessing you, I pray that you're ready to bless others. I pray that you will, you will be grateful that your need is now in the past tense. There may be, I hope that you can say today, Jesus, thank you that I don't need extra money anymore. But God, may you help me to give it to others. God, thank you that I don't need positive friends anymore in my life. But Lord, may I be an answer to prayer for somebody else. In that moment, I hope you recognize that, that you and I have a human nature. And when we receive things for ourselves, we quickly just think about ourselves. I believe the majority of you have been blessed this Christmas season. And now I hope your first thought is, now how can I help others? And there were so many of you that wanted, that gave, and I love it. Uh, you know, Janie and I, we work together in giving to those in need in our community. And I tell Janie, uh, we don't have to advertise it. People are going to come our way, and they're going to just give. Thank you for doing that. But keep that spirit alive inside of you. If God has provided for you, ask yourself, God, now how can I give that away? My third point here is to give to give what you will need. Give what you will need. And this, of course, is the idea of planting seed. And this idea comes from the story in 2 Kings chapter 4. In verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a bed and put a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went out to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elijah asked. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elijah said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. This woman was going to need a son. Little did she know that she was planting seed in Elisha's life. What do you need in your life? What is it that you're asking God for? What is on your prayer list right now? Because if you look at your prayer list right now, then begin to transfer that prayer list to your giving list and begin to give it. It's the idea of planting seed. When the world says take and save and hoard for yourself, God says plant seeds of giving and your future will be secure with abundance of blessings. I'm not saying close out your retirement funds or your saving funds, but I am saying that all of your financial plans need to begin with giving. Then God will give you the wisdom to invest your money the best possible way. Here it is. Giving covers for all that you do. Giving leads to the blessings that you could not receive on your own. Giving 
secures your, your investments better than anything else. Teenagers, young, young people, 20-somethings, I pray that you hear this message loud and clear. You have the opportunity to give and, and have a blessed future for you. But here, you face a problem. And this is the problem. For your entire life up to this point, somebody has been providing for you. Somebody has been giving and fulfilling all of your needs. And here's what happens when you got your first job, if you haven't had one yet, but most of the time when you get your first job, you're not thinking to yourself, man, I cannot wait to pay back my mom and my dad. I can't wait for that first check because I'm paying them back. No, what was your first thought? What was my first thought? I've got to start saving money for my first car. I've got to start saving my money for my, my wedding. I've got to start saving money for my first vacation for my friends. I've got to start saving money for my clothes, my wardrobe, my needs. And the list of mine continues and it goes on. Don't be a typical young person. The financial advisor Dave Ramsey says, live like no one else so that one day you can live like no one else. While everybody else is hoarding and saving for themselves, you be a teenager, you be a young person that is living to give. You are living to give what you need it. You are living to give what you will need, but you're just living to give. And you will see that God will bless you abundantly. You will see that he'll do immeasurably and greatly above and beyond all that you can, you can't even begin to think Think and imagine what God will do for you when you have a spirit of giving in your life. And may all of us today take the Christmas spirit, this spirit of giving with us today, wherever you go, may you determine, God, help me to give what I need. Help me to give what I need it. And definitely, Lord, help me to give what I will need. What a great message by Pastor Sid. The principles of godly giving. Giving what we need so that we can receive the blessing. Here at Life Church, we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at lifechurchutah.com or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.